Hebrews chapter 11, as we're looking at this chapter of faith, the most holy faith, Jude says. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. What God has put in our hearts to hope according to his will. Our belief in what he said is the substance and the bill or the receipt that we get that says purchased belongs to you. You have to just pick it up. Is that faith? The evidence of things not seen. There's a time to come to the heavenly counter to pick up the item. But the receipt is there. Hallelujah. God promises something to us and he asks us as he asked the man who said, Lord, if you can do something, he said, if you can believe. If you can do something, Lord, do it. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible to the person that believes. It's true in heaven, there's no sickness. When Israel came out of Egypt, the Bible says, there was not one feeble among them. Which means, there was not one who had any illness. Their bodily power was raised to an all-time high. Because of the glory of God, their well-being was connected to the glory of God. God doesn't need us. We need Him. But whenever we're blessed... Whenever we sing praises to God, knowing we're blessed by His mercies, Satan gets put to shame and we get blessed, we get honored because God lifts us up out of our despair and His name is glorified through us. It is a celebration. There is a massive celebration that reached heaven that day when they came out of Egypt. And part of that is mentioned here in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. But the bill, the receipt, if we have a receipt for some store where we have an item or items that we have longed for, and this is not lay away, these plans of installment before you can get the item, but this is actually an evidence that it belongs to you. You don't have it physically in your possession. But I have the receipt that says paid in full. That's the kind of description of faith that we need to have. That if I ask God for wisdom, the Spirit of God records in James, then let me believe that He will give me wisdom. What kind of wisdom? Wisdom to make the right decisions. Wisdom not to falter when God says, choose me in every decision of your life, choose righteousness. Choosing God, when somebody says, I love Jesus, I love God, thank you God. What they're saying, hopefully, corresponds to their hearts, out of which all the issues of life come. That they're saying, I'm choosing the right path. 
But how do you know the right path? How do I know the will of God? By faith, believing what he told me. If he said, don't do certain things, I have enough faith to know if I do that, no matter how glittery and glamorous it looks, how it promises that you'll feel better. Isn't that what Satan said to Eve? You feel better if you do this. Don't listen to the other talk. It's too strict. It's too binding. You're restricted. You feel like you're boxed in. Go out, Dinah, daughter of Jacob. Go out and look at the world. Why don't you look at the people of Shechem? See what those ladies, those girls are doing. See what they wear and how they act. Bring in yourself to the high society. It's boring being with your brothers and your parents. They're okay. But you need to get out a little bit, girl, and see what you can see. Come to the big city. How many people have been slaughtered by Satan's bait? He's a liar. He's a crook. He's a murderer. But the commandment warns us, don't listen to the wolf. Don't listen to the serpent. Don't get hypnotized by a stare and that hissing sound. Don't get accustomed to it. It's not good. It's a sound that's going to come before a strike. Satan came to Eve and said, you'll feel better. He came to Dinah. It's not recorded explicitly, but we know. Because look at the result, the aftermath. Violation of peace and purity. The loss of spiritual power. Because one person decided to venture out. Beyond the boundaries God has set. And it affected the church. Jacob's family was the church at that time. Out of all the families of the world. Before Israel became a nation. And Israel is called the church of God in the wilderness. It took one person. And then they had to quickly take matters into their own hands. Have we ever heard? One lie begets another lie and becomes a rolling stone down that mountain until an avalanche comes and causes mass destruction. Just a little lie. Isn't that how it starts before some great sin occurs that's greater? Never stays static. Little lie won't hurt anybody. One look won't hurt anybody, will it? Just one night, I've heard of people who are about to get married to their sweethearts in a so-called party that they traditionally have in some circles. Not only foolishness, but utter desecration of the whole covenant of marriage. To do what? Go out and do all you can because now you're going to be bound. You're going to tie the knot. You're going to be committed and you can't, even if you feel like it, it's more binding, so might as well go and drink and do whatever you have to do. How satanic. And there are people who die before they go and get married because of the foolish choice 
of listening to the serpent. When we come close to Jesus, we can really see with wisdom that life apart from faith is death. Only faith in Christ can make me have the abundant life. Jesus said, I didn't just come to give you life, but more abundantly. Happiness, satisfaction. It may have been a very difficult task because of the choices that I've made. And it pronounced doom for the future, but a Savior came in and stopped everything. Hallelujah. He came and said, I can change your destiny because I love you. I have the power to do it. But you have to be married to me. Because that's what love is. Commitment. You can't come to my house and say you're going to live with me and then go to my enemy's house and say I'll live with him part time. Because he's plotting against me and my kingdom. Is that love or is that being a traitor? So choose to go to God and faith is that evidence, it's the substance. If God says something's not good, I don't care how enticing it may be, how delicious it looks, I don't touch it because it's poison, the Father said. You've heard here an accurate description from the Holy Spirit that the mind is the capital of the city of your life, my life. It's the capital. If the capital is captured, you have the forces, everything, the elite forces and all the infrastructure, the nerve center of the city or the country. So we have to be careful what we think moment by moment. It's so important. It's vital because, as you heard in the prayer a few moments ago, you sow a thought. If you, if you allow a thought to be planted, a thought can come. Uh, Satan has his own seeds that he likes to scatter. It's not just the Son of Man, the Son of God. He's looking to see where his seed can settle and land. Because he knows if it lands and the conditions are right, he's going to have a gleeful harvest. He's going to be shouting, hip, hip, hooray, I've got one. Somebody took my thought, some wicked thought, immoral thought, mischievous thought, foolish thought. The Bible says the thought of foolishness is sin. The thought of foolishness is sin. Important that I don't allow foolishness, foolish thoughts to come in. At what point does the thought become mine? Only by being in God's word and hearing the anointed truth can I be able to discern this thought has not landed. The seed has been thrown my way, but I've rejected it. it. has not landed. Hallelujah. Or to be able to confess, I, I lingered with that. And the seed has begun to be buried a little deeper in the soil of my mind. And I can see the effects. I don't feel so good anymore. I feel I'm on the fence, on the threshold of doing some evil. God have mercy. We don't have to live that way. We don't have to let any thought not just be processed but to be planted first of all. We don't even want to get to that process stage. 
when the seed begins to germinate. We don't want it to land at all. We are called to be the sentries, S-E-N-T-R-I-E-S, the guardsmen, the soldiers, guarding the capital, just as you see the elite forces of any nation, you see the kind of people that are handpicked by that government to protect the president, the leader, to protect that city, the residents, the palace. What kind of people will be put there? Your average soldier who has his uniform all disheveled, helmet hanging on one side, bottle of soda in one hand, dangling the gun on the finger, watching YouTube with one eye. We can't afford to be like that if we're going to be vigilant and guard the capital of our lives, to guard the mind. But if that thought, the seed of the devil, because of a lack of what? Faith. And there's a connection. When I don't believe that God has the best for me, just wait. I will begin to look to see what else is interesting on YouTube. What did my girlfriend or my boyfriend or man friend, whoever it is, what did he send me? Look at what they, isn't that cute? There are many cute things in this world, but is it the best use of our time? To continue to see cuteness all over the world, we can sit forever, wasting time. There's one thing to appreciate, something that's giving glory to God, you see. And in the conversation, in the texting back and forth, or hitting like, to have a heart that this is a beautiful picture of a baby. What a beautiful baby, a creation of God. Oh Lord, and you know what? My mind goes to the word that's planted by faith, Psalm 139. How you formed this baby, Lord. How innocent, beautiful it looks. And Lord, you've given this child to my friend, or my brother, or my co-worker, or whoever it is. But the connection from the child of God is immediately the word of God. Why? Because faith is alive. Faith will continue to feed on the word. Everything connected to a believer's life is the glory of God, is the Word of God. There's no life apart from the Word of God. And if somebody should send something, a video, a hilarious video, be careful that it is bringing glory to God and not dissipating, causing leaks in your spirit, even when you don't know. By and by, the enemy gets a little bit of more room, a little bit of more room, then there's a fall and we wonder what happened. Well, we opened the door somewhere and it wasn't even drugs wasn't even some kind of blatant immorality. It was just a it was just a little silly thing, things to make me laugh, you know, unwind, take the stress off. And there was a the little latch from the enemy. Is it honoring to God or is it just downright foolish? Our faith in God will cause an allegiance and loyalty to God that will say, Lord, you have better things for me. And this thing here is actually going to wear down my faith. We have the perception. 
from the Spirit of God, the more we get close to God, we get to know His heart. We really see, you know what? There are a lot of things that I allowed. I didn't have any idea. I just thought, a thought came to my mind, a text came to me, a cute picture. Sometimes it's cultural. That's a big snare from the devil. We stay away from a lot of cultural things. That's Kirby and I. Because we know. Not only blatant idolatry, but a lot of uh, this uh, exclusivism. And uh, some kind of pride can come. Uh, nationalistic, uh, cultural pride. We don't want anything to do with that. Our culture is Christian. Our affiliation, our citizenship is in heaven. As I've said before, every culture, every race, every color, every family and tribe ought to be gloriously affiliated with God. We ought to thank God for making us the way He made us. But we need to know, you know, the difference in culture when it started at the Tower of Babel. Therefore, we keep an eye out on culture, our culture, to make sure that it is given back to God. It happened. The confusion and the scattering happened. Nations were formed. But I can come and let it be redeemed. So what you hear from your own people, quote-unquote, whatever nation you originally came from, know that you are a Christian nation, a holy nation. Our culture is Jesus, Christian culture. And so everything must be filtered through that. Now, if I look at my life and my activities and my conversations, do I have such a dichotomy, a divide, where I choose things that are not connected to Christ and I'm not able to really give thought how to bring glory to God through that. I just think, you know, it's an entity like uh, government, the taxes and stuff I have to do. The Bible says in everything give glory to God. The point this morning is the person who really believes in God, not like the devil, believe that God exists and then tremble, knowing that they're going to be punished because they don't want to do God's will, but knowing that God exists and that He's of such a character that what He says He will do, He will do, and He calls me His special treasure, and He has great things for me, but there's an imposter, a crook, that's standing on the sidelines to see whether I will give Him my attention. Many times, these days, we see spiritual slaughter happening amongst two believers. The devil could care less about the world. He already has them. But people who've come to know Jesus Christ, he's interested in the family of God and he'll shoot texts and videos and commentaries and political stuff to get us what? Engaged in battles that we have nothing to do with as people of God. He'll rob us from the prayer time. He'll make us compartmentalize and divide our lives. Can you imagine a capital that's divided? A house divided against itself, self cannot stand. 
What about if the capital is divided? Imagine if in Washington, D.C., although we have two main parties and other factions politically, but imagine if there are challenges to the presidency that within Washington, D.C., even within the Capitol building, within the White House, there's another person living there who says, I'm the president. And he has the following. What a disaster. This is what will happen to a believer. To believers. When we have our allegiances mixed up, when we think this is God time and this is my time, this is God time, this is family time, this is God time, this is time for politics, I have God time on Sunday church and when I do my devotions, when I read the Bible, when I have meetings and morning calls, but there's other time when I can just let my mind go free, I can frolic in the open fantasy world of the enemy to see the cotton candy and the the lights and the amusements you know just kind of take a look I'm not buying any tickets now I'm just going and taking a look that's what happened to Dinah the book of Genesis the daughter of Jacob just taking a look now I've got to guard this capital because there's one person who's supposed to be on the throne and that's the Lord Jesus Christ and if he says that something's not good and I learn more and more as I learn of his ways that certain things that seem to be innocent are not good. I'm going to be a guardsman, a sentry, a soldier. To be vigilant that not one thing will enter here that's going to defile me. Not one thing. I don't care how it comes, from whom it comes. It can be my very family, even family of God. There are people who have texted us, who have sent screenshots. Not just one or two. As pastors, they did the right thing. Not because we have any interest in seeing other people's affairs, the activities that is. We have no time nor interest in the sense of, we're not called to be busybodies, but to be shepherds. But if one of the sheep sends something and says, is this okay, we have the responsibility to tell them from the Spirit of God whether it is or not. And if they should send something and say, this is disturbing to me because this is provoking me to think immoral thoughts. It's not necessarily very graphic, but it's leading toward that. And this came from this person who visits this church. Our duty is to protect the sheep. And so we tell them, you need to take a firmer stance against this. Let that person know. Don't send this anymore. Too many people don't know how to take a stand because of offending people. The fear of offending people. Tell them. I don't look at these kind of things anymore because it's not edifying. I do love you, but please don't send these anymore. And so we hear reactions from others. Few. They don't really actually belong to the family of God here, but they visited and the response came rather hostile. Well, you don't love me, you're judging me. And uh, I see, I thought you were my friend, but I see that I have to really uh, take a second look. And thanks, brother and sister, a sarcastic kind of sign-off. So what? If they choose to wallow in the mud and the pigsty, does it mean that 
Because you need to be friendly. You need to take some of that mud and put it on you and say, look, I'm like you. I love you. We can play together in the mud, in the pigsty. No. We must do things that are edifying for one another. That's how the holy faith, the most holy faith, notice the most holy faith is built up. And who here this morning can ever compare the joy you have from Jesus Christ to anything else in the world that you've ever experienced. And of a truth be able to say, I can say it, I'm sure many of you, if not all of you can say it, there is no joy apart from Jesus. There's nothing that will ever come along, no matter what man invents or what he sees and discovers, ever come close to the joy I have in Jesus. I have to guard that. Faith will make me to draw the boundaries very clearly. Faith in God's character will make me to wait on God and not jump the ship or jump the gun. This hastiness, this uh, rattling, like the rattlesnake, anxious, the snake to kill. The rattling comes to the victim. They somehow, with that anxiety, position themselves within striking distance of the serpent. We need to be guided by the peace, the divine peace. And if I feel that jumpiness that I've got to do something, it's better to stop and say, wait, you're not doing anything. David Livingston had said of him, the great missionary to Africa, who jeopardizes, jeopardizes his life, jeopardized his life. And so much fruit came out of what he did. This great scholarly type of man. This man said, without Christ, not one step. With Christ, anywhere. Without Christ, not a single step. But with Christ, with Him, anywhere. His life's worst was, even when he was attacked by a lion and broke his shoulder, and huge serpents visited him there in Africa when he went, far from his comfort in England, with his high society there. He loved Jesus and he loved Africa. His passion. People tried to persuade him. Like they did Paul. Watch yourself. Protect yourself now. Don't go too far. We're missionaries too. We're preachers too. But you don't risk your life and risk your neck. You have a family, you know. He might as well have said, let the dead bury the dead, Jesus told me. I'm going to seek souls for the family of God. He said, Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. Behold, look, I'm going to be with you always, even unto the end of the world. That was his life's verse. Our faith to be real and to grow must continually feed on the promises of God. When we feed on the promises of God, it becomes real in our lives. It is real all by itself. But to make it come alive within us, we have to mix it with faith to say, I'm embracing this. This is who I am. This is how I live. No more. 
affairs with this world that's perishing. The capital of this life, this city, this country, is my mind. If the thought of foolishness is sin, how vigilant I have to be. Accustomed to many foolish thoughts, perhaps. To say, Lord, this is not in keeping with you. And I want to gather with God's people. I want to hear preaching from God to keep me sharp. There are some people who have joined the calls, meetings. And they say this to illustrate, to protect us. They've joined. And within five minutes they'll be gone. I'm not talking about the family here, family of God, but visitors. And we know it was the devil who took them away. The excuse may come, oh, I got a phone call, or my kid did this, or the dog did this, or I just remember this. It wasn't really an urgent matter, but they didn't like what they heard. And so it was a choice to demonstrate my pride. I'm going to unfriend you. I'm going to uh, shut you down. I will leave the call. It's a defiance that actually caused them spiritual progress and they go back to the old ways. Others who stay for a while in the middle of it they go because you know why? The prayers are getting too long. Do you realize we've been on for an hour and a half in this meeting over here at El Bethel International Ministries Church? I mean... Where we go, it's 15 minutes. And if they're prayer, they're short and sweet. Uh, and we get to do our thing, you know. I get to see my serial TV show. I get to go and do this with my family and that. There's no real faith. This is a show. It's a Jesus show, a religious show. Because I'm really on the throne of my heart. Jesus, you can come to my house. You can come. But I just want to inform you, Lord, that from 8.30 onwards, I have some things planned. Can you please just make sure, I want to tell you before you come, that we start the meeting with you. We love you and everything. 6.30, we end sharply at 8.30 or 7.30 to 8.30. It's Thursday today, and I have things planned. If the truth be told, it's exactly how many, not a few, Many, many people in the church behave. How can faith grow? There's an unbelief that actually is alive and well. And that's why the commitment to the commandments of God is largely absent. And there's a confusion that comes in. When the child says, Mommy, I want to go out of state to school. When we know the things that can be open over there for this child to get slaughtered. Even if the child makes the grade, what's happening to the soul? The godly parent will know. I don't go by what my child says or what the schools say, what the so-called experts say, because I have God who says something to me. Where my child should go, and where the child should not go. Yes, even in the matters of school. We don't just match up like people do in a dating game. Trial and error and disaster. No, we want to know God's will. We want to know, Lord, 
All this looks promising. Lot thought, you know, over there by the Dead Sea region, at that time is so flourishing. Look at the greenery. I think we can really move there and, and have a great time. I really think we can do this and that. After all, look, we're here with Uncle Abraham. We have problems with our herdsmen and his herdsmen. And uh, it's just getting too small, this territory. We're growing, both of us. And uh, if we get to pick that right there, mm-hmm, that's what I like. Look at the colors. Look at the greenery. Look at the potential. Instead of saying, Lord, you lead me. If we're going to have that kind of clarity, we have to have faith. My God is the living God. And I trust His character, His compassion. When He says to me to wait on Him, that's what I do. When He says to me, when everybody, even many so-called Christians and Christian friends and even pastors and leaders who don't even know what they're doing, we get calls and we hear these things from people, who even people in ministry who say, this is what this pastor said and that pastor and this leader. We have to tell them, that person is not walking with God. I don't care how esteemed and well-known and gentle and nice he or she may appear. They're following the devil. That's why they speak like that. Not cuss words and violent words. No, very calm, very collected, logical thoughts and uh, scriptural exposition. Bottom line is, it really doesn't have to do with the kind of consecration God calls me to. So we have to tell them, the servants of God, be careful. And so the sharpening of the understanding occurs where the people of God begin to pick up. Okay, I thought this was okay for a while. But I really see the voice that's speaking, regardless of the exterior, is the voice of the devil. Again, again, we are reminded, we're reminded of what Jesus said to Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You're not talking things about God, concerning God. You're talking human things. Get out of my way. And who is he looking at? At Peter. Because he recognized the spirit that Peter opened the door to. That moment. It appeared loving. It appeared justifiable. But isn't that how the devil appears? Who would ever believe him if he comes and says, look, I'm going to kill you. Come with me. Let's go for a ride. No, we're going to go here and we're going to do this and that and it's going to be fine. You're going to feel better. You know, you need to get with your friends. Uh, you need to do uh, this, you know. You used to drink really hard, but here's a watered-down version of what you used to drink. You know, the proof is different and the uh, feeling is going to be nice. You can bring your Bible too. I'm not against you bringing your Bible to the bar. And the Lord help us to know that when a person really believes God and God's words, really believes God's character, that he is a father to the fatherless, a shepherd to the sheep that are scattered. He will direct us and he will feed us. He knows how to make me to lie down in green pastures. I trust him and that's my evidence that Everything is going to be okay. Not because I say it, 
Not because I wish it, and other people are telling me that, and the more the merrier, no. It doesn't change reality. There are masses of people who are getting slaughtered every day, who encourage one another. What kind of encouragement is it? Is this from God, or is it a is it something that is false? But I trust in God's word, what he told me. I trust his nature. I trust that he's able to keep me. I trust that he's able to give me joy. And that joy will grow. The peace will grow. I believe that he will lead me to still waters. But in order to follow this shepherd, my God, my Jesus, I have to not follow anything else. Because I can't be in the green meadows and be in that serenity by the still waters. To be led by his gracious hand and be looking all over at the lights and glamour of this world and giving time to fruitless conversations. We are called to be guards people, guardsmen, to see how I use my time. And the words that I speak, are they really edifying? If God commanded me that the conversation should be edifying, is it not? absolute unbelief to throw that off and say um, that's not for me I worship God I'll have my devotions and I'll do this and that but I like to be free I like to express my mind and have others express their mind isn't that what the world is about let's get along let's come together that's why there's such a failure at global gatherings in the name of healing the world whether it's economics or politics Jesus is not there, so it's a veritable Tower of Babel all over again. Confusion. But for the believer, we are to believe what God commanded is life to me. For the commandment is life, God said. And when I say I want my conversation to be edifying, the things that I send people, the things that I receive, I'm giving a message. You know, when somebody sends you a message, your reaction to that is sending a message to them and to the powers of darkness if that message is not edifying. doesn't mean we have to answer everything, but sometimes silence may be a message. We don't need to be pulled into people-pleasing. It's a snare. Not only is the fear of man a snare, to please people is a snare when it goes against God's will. Faith in God's word will make me to discern every scent that I have in my possession, every breath that I have. If I really believe that God formed me and he redeemed me by his blood and I have a citizenship in heaven, I'm headed there, I don't want anything to touch me. As we often say, this righteous white robe that he has given me. I'm not going to let any Dirt, not even a speck of this world get on it. Hallelujah. Why? I'm headed to a royal wedding. Can you imagine a royal wedding where this peasant girl, which has happened before in history, for all intents and purposes, a person who's a commoner, all of a sudden, the royal household has been eyeing this young girl as a prospective 
princess and queen. She had no clue. She's just an average person. When the news comes to the father of that girl, can you imagine his reaction? Who am I and who is my father in this house that we should be called out of all the people? My daughter is going to become royalty. Now what happens to the mindset of that family, especially the girl? I suppose it's possible, but unthinkable for many. If that girl should scorn that and say, I know I'm going to go and become a princess. Dad wants me to be a princess. I really want to hang out with my friends and be in the corner over there with liquor and waste my life, drive around in a broken vehicle. I know the prince has all these fancy cars and we think, what's wrong with that girl? If that girl should say, I have an appointment with a hairdresser. Who? The local guy that sees everybody. And so I can't make it for the preparation for the wedding. I know it's a royal hairdresser and it's exclusive and they have access to everything. And But I like this guy in the corner over here. Isn't that how the devil baits? Almost in an unthinkable way. Believers who are royalty, a royal priesthood, for the cheap things, and the things that have nothing to do with where they're headed. But rather, we'd expect that young peasant girl to have a complete alteration of the mindset. The goal, and there's a glow in her face every day to the last day she has to work in that little school. As an average school teacher. She's counting the days when she's going to be escorted to the royal palace. Be made a princess. She can't wait. Oh, this is the heartbeat of a person who has faith. Anytime you hear anybody talk about faith, know this. Genuine faith has genuine love and separation from the world, from the common things, the profane things as a consecration to the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And there's a follow-through that I don't care what knocks on my door. If it's not going to get me in line with where I'm headed, I have nothing to do with it. An Olympic athlete has so much sense. And Paul says, they do it for a perishable crown. Yes, it may be televised globally. Millions and billions of people watching. But it's a perishable crown. Before you know that person will get old, no matter how fast they're running, how glamorous they look, everything corrupts. Everything becomes nothing. Before you know it, they'll be, if they're alive, 89 years old, talking about the past glory. We see, it's just a cycle. But we're headed for eternity, where we'll shine as the stars in heaven. And so we look to that that this is where I'm headed. And the crown that I'm going to get is imperishable. 
how zealous I ought to be to keep my garment undefiled. And say, the things that I used to do as a Christian, quote-unquote, I see I've come a long way. I have further to go. When you hear about faith, genuine faith, the Bible says works by love. Love how and to who? To God first and then, then to others. When I love God and trust His character, I love His word. There's no loving God without loving His word. There's no loving God or having faith in God without treasuring His every commandment and saying, this is my frontlet, like He told the Israelites. Put it right on your foreheads. Tie it to yourself. That you constantly are reminded of what? My word. My commandment, which is life. When I have such a thing, such an attitude, such an awareness, it's a glorious life, and that will keep me safe from all the false things that try to come and latch onto me. I will keep kicking them as I run. I'll run the race successfully. It will be a glorious finish. And in the process, as we always say, I'll be able to bring other people to get on the same race of holiness. And the joy is truly eternal. Joy unspeakable. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. What do you hope for? A new house? Marriage? New job? You hope for uh, getting something that pertains to your hobby, you've been waiting, special order item maybe. Yes, we can have faith to believe for God's will in these matters. But ultimately, is that I'm royalty headed for a royal wedding. God has handpicked me out of this whole world to be his bride. And my heart is in heaven with my prince. I can't afford to go for the cheap thrills anymore, the defiling things in this world, no matter how innocent they seem. If it's not going to get me prepared for heaven and make me stronger in my allegiance and loyalty to my God and my King, I don't want it. I have to go through the routine things of this day, in this life. I have to go to work. I have to do certain things. But nothing really catches my heart. I do it with all my heart, as unto the Lord, but my passion is to please my Jesus. Why? Because I have real faith. So we can know when somebody says, well, God, only you know my heart, and only you know other people's hearts. Nobody can know people's hearts. That's not true. Because the Lord Jesus said, you can know the tree by its fruit. So if a person is not talking Jesus, loving Jesus, and not just talking, but walking the life and the decisions, did you see they're really in love with Jesus and they want His Word, they love His Word. There's no hanky-panky going around outside of church, watching things and engaging in silly conversations. They actually betray the royal calling, the new identity that Christ has given as I said yesterday, as pertains to uh, ideal father, it's an ideal that God gives us. His word is ideal, but it's true and it's practical. 
How can a father be a sage and a soldier, a sentry, and a saint? How can he be such a person to the satisfaction of the Heavenly Father to gloriously lead his children in the right path? By faith. Believing if God told me to do it. If God has shown me like a mirror, this is what the image of Christ in you is. Now, get everything in line with that image. So comes my responsibility to drop certain things that are not conducive to my heavenly calling and to embrace some new things. The way I spend my time, the things I entertain, everything to the glory of God. That's real faith. You can know if a person is a real Christian by their choices. Yes, you can. Which reflect what? The heart. Out of the heart are the issues of life. So keep it with all diligence. Be a guards person, a guardsman, a guardswoman. Make sure you know what gets into your heart and what comes out. It's pleasing to God. And we're called to discern the spirits. Not just human spirits, but the spirit behind the human spirit. Because every human spirit is no independent agent. Every human spirit is influenced by God's spirit or the evil spirit, the devil. We can know by the fruit. First of all, we need to look at ourselves and know what's guiding my action. Is it my feeling that has come all of a sudden? How many people get into relationships? Because the devil, it's very easy for him. He just brings on a feeling or an image of what it will be like. And they fall for it. And another disaster. Rather than saying, Lord, what is your will in this matter? I'm going to deliberately push away feelings. Deliberately push away people's counsel. Even my Christian, quote-unquote, brothers and sisters and leaders who I know, they're not really after holiness. They talk like it, but I know them. They're just like I was. I can't depend on their counsel. I need the holy counsel. There's a progress in faith. There's an exercise of faith that makes it grow stronger like a muscle. How? It's not some arbitrary thing. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The more I hear the Word of God, the more I read the Word of God, the more I love the Word of God, the more my faith will grow, and I'll be able to trust God more, be able to wait. When every other so-called Christian is rushing by feeling, and by the so-called facts, the prediction of this world, there's a dualistic lifestyle, there's a hypocrisy. They say they trust God, but they really value the opinion of man and the so-called experts among humanity. We need to take everything to God. He's the Almighty One. He knows everything. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. That's what God said, and that's where I'm headed. Hallelujah. The evidence of things not seen. I have His Word. And as long as I trust what God said, in His Word and what God is saying to me. As long as I follow through 
because I really believe I'll speak a certain way. Who can ever be thought of as having faith if they keep contradicting God's word? Think about that. First says, I love Jesus, I believe in Jesus. Oh, yes. When he says you're going to be healed, oh, no. I love Jesus, and his will is perfect. Yes, amen, hallelujah. When he says go this way, when everybody says go that way, even the so-called Christian people. But that way is hard, Lord. I don't have any friends. How many people are misled because of friends or the lack of so-called friends? Not only children, but adults. There are people who live off the energy, this anxious, superficial high. You know what it is? What my friends say, my family says. Our importance, our self-worth comes from Jesus. Period. Everything else is to be given back to Him. If genuine praise comes in honor, as we sang yesterday in church, we fall down before the Lord and lay our crowns before Him. Hallelujah. This is faith. Shall we pray? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah, the one who sits between the cherubims. Thank you, Jesus. Holy is the Lord. Father, I pray, draw us closer to you, Lord. Purge us of every persuasion that is opposite to your perfect will. Holy One, help our prayers not just simply be words of aspiration, Lord, but demonstration. I believe God's Word. He is my passion. His Word is my life. I want nothing else. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Burn your holy word into our hearts. May be people of action who depend upon you and wait upon the living God. If earthly servants, earthly handmaidens can look to their masters and mistress, waiting for their every move, the moment they utter, they're just waiting for the command, waiting for mercy to what favor the master will give me. I'm just waiting for I'm looking. Is he going to say this? Is he going to say I can do this? How much more are we before you, Lord? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Because your every word, Lord, is life and hope. You speak peace to people, Lord, but you warn us about the things that don't make for peace so we can know the difference. Make the right choices and follow the way of peace which comes by a living faith in you. I thank you for the future you have for each of us. The future of the latter will be greater than the former. The glory of the latter will be greater than the former. Thank you, Lord, how faithful, faithful, faithful you are. Help us to be counted worthy, Lord, faithful to you. When we tell you we're going to do something, Lord, that we'll follow through, be counted faithful. And do it with a loving heart, not out of compulsion. Lord, you said this month, against all the hyperactivity of hell that came against us and against Esther, would be a month of peace 
enjoy great joy and celebration. Holy One of Israel, you've kept your word. Thank you, Lord, as you always do. We saw evidence of that yesterday in a glorious way. Not only us, Lord, locally, but around the world. Even this morning, Lord, as I went out to put out the trash for the trash collectors. Early in the morning, I saw my neighbor and told him. He said he watched the former testimony I didn't know from November. I told him, watch yesterday's. The word of life from God, by faith, it will become life to us, each of us. Thank you, Father. Bless this day, Lord, with your hands. That we do things differently, Lord. Tie up loose ends and close every door that we perhaps, before this morning call, thought was okay. But we see, if it's not going to prepare us for the wedding feast of the Lamb, we don't want anything to do with it. It's just going to slow us down. It's just going to preoccupy us and waste our energy and perhaps bring foolishness to the heart. Even the thought of foolishness is sin. Help us to be with your people, Lord, to engage in the Christian culture, the things that have to do with faith, strengthen that faith. Thank you, praise you, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.